Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Shout Buffalo Bills football po- podcast brought to you by Top Friendly Markets. The, the Bills are now riding a two-game losing streak after blowing a 17-point third-quarter lead to the Minnesota Vikings, a game that they were fully in control of deep into the second half and more nightmares for Bills fans over the next week as another very winnable game, another one-score game, uh, goes in the opponent's favor. A lot of self-inflicted situations with this with this Bills team that we're going to get into over the course of the show. Gino's here uh, with me, uh, Gene Pataglia from the Fan in Rochester. Uh, we do a show every week, and he's it, it's funny enough. He, he we got a bit going, and he, he's been waiting to get on the podcast, and uh, we will have some fun with that later on. But right now, we got to get right into this Ryan Talbot. So before we go any further. What is your your diagnosis here? What is the problem for this Buffalo Bills team? I think you kind of already said it, Matt. Self-inflicted wounds. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are a good team. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're not. But if you ask me who beat the Bills today, I would say the Buffalo Bills beat themselves. There were numerous situations where they had opportunities to put this game away. And whether it was uh, bad decision-making on the field, mistakes like the botched uh, fumble in the end zone or simply poor coaching where uh, I think before that fourth and 18 play, you tell your defensive backs, bat it down, knock it down. And instead of that, you have Cam Lewis going for an interception uh, and it allows Justin Jefferson to make a play on the ball. If he bats that down, that game's over at that point, in my opinion. Instead, it kind of gives you some flashbacks to that game against the Cardinals a few years ago. Now, mind you, Hopkins uh, scores in the end zone. It was a game winner. But that kept the the drive alive for the Vikings and ultimately helped them win this game. There are so many different things that we can kind of zero in on here on this game. I mean, even if you want to start with the Delvin Cook run and the continued problem with this Bills run defense, uh, I felt like that was kind of that created the opening. And then it's like the second half woes that the Bills have offensively speaking. I think it goes back to is it the Kansas City game was the last mm-hmm. time they scored a touchdown in the second half. This is a team that I, I feel like there's this identity problem on this. On one hand, they're so good that they get into these situations where they're, they're rolling. Everything on both sides of the ball is rolling. And then they, they hit this point in a game and it's almost like they let teams get back into the game. Stefan Diggs was talking a little bit about this after the game. And then it's like, Oh wait, we gotta, we gotta get going quick again. We gotta get things going again. And in this game, they couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I, I, you do, this has been a problem. I think, not just this game, not just last week. I mean, you can go back to the Miami game that you're putting too much on number 17 mm. for Josh Allen. And I go back to the sequence. You're right about the Dalvin Cook 81-yard run. But 
you have it second and two at the seven yard line. And what does Ken Dorsey dial up? Pass. And it was into the ground. Pass incompletion. Now it's fourth and two. And we can debate. All right. Do you want to take the field goal? It would have put you up by 13. Uh, knowing that the situation that might have been the safe play there, but you're going to go for it and you're going to try another pass. And now Josh has absolutely no play. He's trying to force it. And it's the worst scenario because Minnesota doesn't get it at the seven Peterson running it out near midfield and that puts good field position. So bottom line is I want to see more out of Ken Dorsey here too, that he's not putting his quarterback in good situations, but if we're going to do blame assessment here, you know, certainly Ryan, I would think that it's, it's Josh Allen, how you look at where his confidence is at right now. And I understand he's going to be down following a game, but He's as, uh, about as down as I've heard him here in Buffalo following this loss here today. Yeah, and, and you know, when they lose these games, you hear the same spiel from Allen and this coaching staff. We got to get better. It starts with me, and I can respect that, and I can appreciate that, but you can only say that so many times before something needs to change, and to Josh Allen's credit, he had over 400 yards of total offense. The Bills um, were able to tie the game at the end of regulation because of Josh Allen. They're able to get right down the field in overtime after a long Minnesota drive because of Josh Allen and his legs. And he put them in some good situations. But it's just it's that hero ball mentality. It's that bad decision making when it matters most. There was no reason for him to throw that ball in the end zone in, in overtime when, when he had to. You had Devin Singletary open underneath. You could have just given him the ball, probably could have gotten close to the the line of gain and set you up with an, an even better situation for, for that uh, drive potentially to win it. I know no team wants to go in and tie in overtime, uh, but it, that throw was inexcusable. And it just kind of goes back to Allen sometimes just doing too much and trying to do too much for this team. And you have to take the bad with the good. And there was a lot of good today, but when it mattered most, he made some pretty big mistakes, Matt. I want to go back to something that you just said, Gene. And to me, this is, if I'm, like I said in the headline, diagnosing this thing, the the real problem for me here is, is that they're trying to figure out, especially a first time play caller in Ken Dorsey, how to manage having arguably the best player in the league and managing how much you ask him to do all the time. When things go wrong for this offense, it is immediately Josh Allen go into win it now mode. You saw it in the overtime. You saw it on the runs. You saw it in the fourth quarter when things weren't going right, when they had a couple possessions where they couldn't get a field or a touchdown. You know, he just goes into this mode almost like he feels like he has to. And as a coaching staff, whether it be Sean McDermott or Ken Dorsey, you got to figure out a way to say, no, Josh, we're the coaches. We're going to trust the other players on this team. They're refusal to run in the second half into overtime to me is indicative of their entire problem because you can run. I was talking about this with Mark on from the Buffalo news as we were walking down there. You could have three straight series in this second half today where you run the ball nine times and you don't get a single first down. And it's as effective as three of those second half drives ended up being anyway. Yeah, I, I wonder if they completely got away from what they did because what was the clue here? They dressed five running backs today. So going into this, it just seems like it was 20 years ago. But in fact, what time is it now? 7.55 Eastern. It was only seven hours ago. We didn't know 
for sure who would be at the starting quarterback. Josh Allen, we found out right around uh, noon today. I, I, the, the fact that Allen didn't have the full week of work, I'm, I'm, I know once he's in there, you've got to call plays like he's Josh Allen. But to me, I thought once they made a determination to dress five running backs, this is the way they're going to beat the Vikings and play complementary football. And I think it's a mentality also, Matt, that – the Bills, they, they, they're going to tell you don't pay attention, but they were double-digit favorites for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you know what the thing about this league is? All these teams are good. They all can rise up on any time, anywhere. So the idea that you should not only win but blow teams out, no, just figure out a way to win. And today was one of those games, figure out a way. When we were at Fisher, find a way was the, ba- the banner that, that was right up there. They didn't take their own words today. They did not find a way to win this game. This game was winnable. It was there. They were up by 17 and for it to lose. And I know there's some recency bias on my part when I look at this and I say, well, this is the worst regular season loss ever. Well, in terms of a game that you had and you gave it away how many different ways, name me other games like this. There's been other regular season games where, okay, not your day, the Colt game, the same game going back to Tyrod, but Holy cow, Matt. I mean, this is like right up there with any regular season loss in terms of games you had that you just handed over the opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you now, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we appreciate you. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. And you can enter for a chance to win $1 million right now. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. Okay, so I want to talk about something else here, Ryan Talbot. And I want to talk about, you know, going into the locker room, getting the vibe of that room. I mean, there was a tone, whether you were talking to Mitch Morris or an absolutely defeated, emotional Cam Lewis who felt like, you know, like we mentioned, like, listen, we've talked about this. I'm a UB grad. I've known Cam Lewis for a long time. I state that bias right up front. This is a Cam Lewis podcast, and he got his chance to, you know, get his first NFL start at safety today. And I thought there were, to Sean McDermott's points, a lot of good things. But in that spot, you have to find a way to make the play. And I think he dropped the F- F-bomb three different times. Probably hell for you radio guys <laughs> trying to edit that thing together. But t- taking the responsibility for that and trying to make a play. But I wanted to talk about that because I'm going to be writing about this after the show, juxtaposed to the attitude of Von Miller in the postgame press conference. He walked into that room without a care in the world. He's been here before a million times, he said. Um, he's not worried. He's not panic. Um, and I understand that. Uh, he was talking about you know how much fun he had today and this, this huge beaming smile on his face. And on one hand, I look at a two-time Super Bowl champ uh, MVP in a Super Bowl and all the accolades that he brings with him. And, and I say, it's hard to argue with the guy. I mean, he's done it. He's seen the game, the success in this game at the highest level, but at the, at the same time, and maybe that's what he feels he needs to do as a leader. But I don't know. I don't know if there's like this tug of war going on between, you know, maybe the Stefan Diggs who was saying, listen, the, the vibe is don't blink, but we're blinking right now where Von Miller says, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. Yeah, it's an interesting situation in that locker room because you know Von Miller already talked about it last week. He's coming to a team who went to the Rams last year. They lost uh, three straight games, ended up winning the Super Bowl. And in the back of his mind, that's probably there. Hey, we were fine last year. Uh, teams were doubting us. Team, 
now, you know, now media is going to doubt us. We're no longer the Super Bowl favorite. We're no longer the AFC favorite. They follow the third in the AFC East nonetheless. But he sits there with that quiet confidence saying, when it matters most, I'm going to make the plays. Josh Allen's going to make the plays. He, he has that confidence about him, and that's fine. But when you also have a young locker room and you have players like Cam Lewis, who gets his first opportunity, and in his mind, he probably feels like he did cost the Bills this game. Looking forward to checking out that article after the pod's over, Matt. It's tough for him to probably have that same type of attitude because, you know, one guy has $120 million coming in over the next six years. Cam Lewis is, is uh, I don't want to say a fringe player, but he is he's a fringe player on, on this roster where uh, every play you make or don't make is going to be under a microscope. So I can understand the difference in opinions between players like that. Uh, where the Bills need to be, though, as an overall team, I, I think there needs to be uh, a little bit of urgency and panic within that locker room after dropping two straight games that really they could have won both of them. But uh, to Gene's point, 17-point lead, and you let this one slip away, it kind of goes back to, you know, if we're not talking about people on the field, I'd like to talk a little about off the field. These second half adjustments that the Bills are not making that opposing teams are, for whatever reason, Bills can't seem to match up with what other teams are doing. I thought Miller was actually kind of smart because when you watch it at first and you put that next to Sean McDermott, who was naturally grumpy after this loss, you Josh Allen, who was disconsolate, despondent, right? Despondent, yeah. yeah. And and you talked to Cam, who understandably very upset. And here you have Von Miller talking about how excited he is to tell his kid about someday about this game he played in, and he's smiling like wait a second, this doesn't fit. I'm like, oh, here's what he's doing. He's being the rock of Gibraltar here, okay? he. I know probably Von Miller doesn't like to lose a game in that way where his defense actually gets the stop that they needed and then all of a sudden the game's you know, turned over on the next one. It was just wild. But for Miller to come in like that, I thought that showed great leadership. And you look back to last year, his Rams team, they were the fourth seed. <laughs> so the reality is now, all right, everything is up in the air. But I thought – in a different way, Von Miller showed leadership coming out of the, you know, where everybody else was upset. I thought Miller actually struck the right tone here today that it's not the end of the world, actually. And to that point, I want to get into that. It's a good transition point because I want to paint a little bit of a different picture. And I know the sky is falling for a lot of Bills fans right now. There's a lot of areas of concern on this team. I still think that you could talk about the run defense, the fact that Josh Allen just seems like he's pressing and does not seem like the guy that we saw in the first half of the season and obviously in the playoff run. Um, you know, you you have some up and down play from a lot of the secondary players, some good play from some of them today. We're going to get into that later in the show. But to me, the biggest thing that I think about this version of this team is they've been here in this spot before. This isn't something that is new to them. Obviously, Von Miller has been there a million times. He said he's been on the other side in these games. But this Bills team went through this adversity last year, and they have very, very current example of being able to unlock what's great about their team on both sides of the ball. And I still don't think defensively they've really found what they could be. And I thought today – one of the reasons I think that they were unlocked, the Bill or the uh, Vikings were Tremaine Edmonds going out. Yeah. I asked Daquan Jones yeah. about that in the postgame press conference, and he he talked up Tyrell Dotson and respect to him. I like Tyrell Dotson. I thought he probably should have played for Bernard last week, but there was a significant drop off there, and they were able to run the ball more. They were able to move the ball more effectively, and I just thought we're able to make more plays with him out of the lineup, right? 
Yeah, no, you raise a great point. You know, Edmonds had two uh, plays that could have gone for interceptions in that first half alone. Both of them hit him in the hands, but even though they didn't result in interceptions, they resulted in pass breakups, incomplete passes, helped the Bills defense get off the field. When he was out there, he was a difference maker today in, in the middle of that field, taking away passing lanes, making life difficult for Kirk Cousins. And once he went out with that groin injury again, Tyrell Dodson, you know, one of his first plays, he was trailing uh, one of the, I think it was Hawkinson on a play. And listen, covering anyone going across the field, that's not easy. But you, you saw a, a big drop off in play there. And, and Dotson, he's a quality linebacker, but he does not bring that type of wingspan, that type of um, ability to take away a portion of the field the way that Edmonds does. Although sometimes this fan base will not kind of give him that credit that he he rightfully deserves based on what we saw today in the first half compared to the second half. Yeah, I mean, Edmonds not being there the second half, that was big. And we're past the trade deadline, obviously. And certainly there are free agents like Odell Beckham Jr. But i just like to point out, too, you know, is today any different if Jordan Poyer is in the lineup? And is today any different? If just, just one play from Tredavious White. And I'm just beginning to wonder, you know, I, I thought today would have been the day. Like I thought last mm. week I was buying into the turf, uh, the concern there, come back home against a, a Viking team that certainly can air it out and white wasn't there. And I don't want to speculate, but just the idea that this defense will be improved if you get a healthy Edmonds and certainly getting those two players back in the secondary. The Tredavious conversation is going to have here. Side note, um, we definitely have to cover this. I think most people thought that he was trending towards playing this week. And I just want to offer a little pushback for fans that seem to be frustrated about this. The thing that I don't think people are realizing about this injury is every single case is different. So how Tredavious White responds in July, in August, in um, September, October, November, that all plays into the Bills plan with him here. They're not going to bring him back until they're 100 percent sure that he can go out there and make every type of football move that they need him to play. And part of it is being off a year of football and not and, and only getting to practice three days a week and how many of those are really full game reps where you're in a situation where you're out there for eight or nine straight plays and you have to get tired, you have to cut tired, you have to backpedal tired, and then you have to react while you're tired. Those are all really important pieces. And I just think with the faith that they have in not only the guys, Christian Benford was outstanding in the first half today, was absolutely outstanding. He had the interception, had a big pass breakup. He's willing and able to come come up in coverage. They trust Dane Jackson. They brought up Xavier Rhodes, who is this unbelievable death piece now to have in the mix as well. You get Kyrie Elam back probably next week or the week after there just isn't a rush. And I'm, I'm confused at all of a sudden this, this panic. And I know they lost today, but a play switch or play different. And, or maybe they don't give up that big run and they win today. I like the approach they're taking with Tredavious White. Yeah, you, you have to be cautious with, with a player like this. This is one of your defensive cornerstones. Uh, and Matt, you said it. Every player is different in terms of how quickly they get back onto the field. You have some guys that suffered in torn ACL uh, past that point that White did, like a Chris Godwin. He came back uh, early on in his tenure back this year, though he suffered uh, an injury where he might have been trying to uh, play off of that other side of it. And Jason Verrett, another player that's had mm. ACL after ACL after ACL injury. You don't want to rush this uh, white back too soon because when things like that happen, you're putting them in a situation where they might overcompensate. And that can lead to 
other injuries. You want to make sure that he is as close to, if not 100%, when you get him onto the field, because although you're not going to have him out there for 100% of the snaps early on, you want to make sure that when these games matter come January uh, and, and hopefully in Buffalo's case, February, that he is at 100% and he's not dealing with any kind of lingering effects from this ACL injury or overcompensating and causing some other kind of serious injury, which has been the case for many players in the NFL over the past few years. No doubt about it. There's an NBA story like this. Derrick Rose won the MVP and he fans thought he was going to come back and he was out over a year, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. And he took a lot of criticism for that. And it was under the same umbrella, like, Hey, you cannot compare me. And kind of ironic too, that they're playing the Vikings today because it's the guy that was the running back way back when Adrian Peterson, who Mm kind of blew up the whole kind of, Hey, you need a year from the ACL to come back so quick. But um, I guess there is enough talent on this team. If I look at the schedule the next two weeks, Um, Cleveland coming in and then Detroit, I, Look, I, I would think that whoever is back there, you should be able to get have good reps there if it's not Tredavious White. And listen, Josh Allen is in an unprecedented funk here. He is this is the first time in his career that he's thrown three two interceptions in three straight games. He's looked like he's pressing. And I think that to me, more so than looking at Allen, I'm now looking at Sean McDermott. He has a problem here. He has a young, talented quarterback who's pressing. He's got to find a way to unlock that. Brian Dable, Josh Allen's best friend, is not here. He's in New York winning games with the Giants. And Ken Dorsey is a first-year play caller. And I think I've been impressed with Ken Dorsey. I think that he has the ability to command that offense. But I think with Dable out and and Dorsey in, and this is just my perspective on the situation, I think this is more now Sean's role to get – Josh Allen, right. Any way that he has to do that, put him at ease, let him come into this game, take some of the pressure off him. Last year, when the Bills went into the bye and said, we are going to figure out this run game, they, for, for better or for worse, they ran the ball more and they're just not, they have this refusal to do it. And what's funny about it is they came out today and the success of that second drive was predicated solely on the running of Devin Singletary, who looked really good. I know he had the fumble. Uh, I know that it, it kind of fell off the tracks, but I think Sean McDermott, Ryan, has to he has to look at his entire football team and he has to assess individual players and find plans to get them in the right spots. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. And, uh, you know, say what you want about the fumble by Singletary is a, a bang, bang play. You could have made the case that it wasn't a fumble. If they would have ruled that he was down on the field, I think it would have stayed that way as well. Uh, but he scored two touchdowns in the first half and he was running the ball well. And, and he, you know, he made a few guys miss on a 20 yard run early in the game. But then the Bills just kind of went away from it. And I know that in the second half, the, the few times they attempted to run, the Vikings made some really nice plays, but that doesn't mean you go away from it altogether. Uh, it goes back to what Gene was saying early on in the show that first and goal from the seven, second and goal from the seven, whatever it was, when, when the Bills went pass, 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 if you uh, run the ball one of those times, even if it's a design run to Allen, you might move the chains. You're not in that fourth, uh, fourth and two, excuse me from the seven yard line where the bills had themselves an opportunity. If you know, you're going for it on fourth down, you're going to be aggressive. Fine. But set yourself up with an opportunity to really move the chains, at least on that previous play. And I I feel like the play calling there was bad. They, they stayed away from the run. They made themselves one dimensional and made life more uh, difficult for themselves and easier for the Vikings in that regard. So, 
you nailed it. Get Devin Singletary more involved. Uh, carve out a bigger role for James Cook, who didn't get many opportunities in the second half. And oh, by the way, you traded for Naheem Hines at, at uh, the trade deadline. And this is the second straight week he's been a pretty much a non-factor in this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that first drive, the first touchdown drive where, Matt, we have the benefit of kind of sitting in the back of the, you know, the press box in the end zone. When you kind of see plays open up and, you know, granted, we're not coaches. We're not really X and O, but we know enough. Like, I'm watching the way the Vikings are lining up defensively, and I'm thinking Dorsey or somebody call a run, and they hand it off to Singletary, 25 yards. He's in the end zone the next play. I'm thinking, okay, if they're going to play that, and then what do they do? I'm not really going back to it after that point. So uh, Sean McDermott said it himself, like, and they were like, we have to kind of figure out what we're not doing the second half as opposed to the first half. I say, coach, it's not hard to figure out here. Okay. You can't be all number 17. I know I said that earlier, but for people that are just kind of logging on here, that's the way that you got to take a little bit off the plate of Allen. I think the biggest concern that on this team right now is looking at the confidence of Josh Allen. You've got to figure out some sort of way, Matt, as you were just mentioning, to get his confidence back. And the way you can kind of do that is, hey, Josh, we don't need to make every play here. You've got other talented playmakers around you. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, I think there's an argument to be made that the, the arm wasn't 100% today. Yeah. And it's probably not going to be for a few weeks. I mean, if you look at that last interception, Ryan, that was a bad throw, but it was also one that I think there was a little bit of arm arrogance involved. And it's hard to go out there and play knowing that your arm probably isn't the same that it usually is. And, you know, that's a throw that he can muscle in a lot of the times. Now the decision was poor, even with a a, a super cyborg Josh Allen throw, he probably still gets that picked off or maybe he throws it out of the back of the end zone. I'm not sure, but there is, there's also concern while he's working his way through this mini slump, of all of these turnover worthy plays and all these turnovers, he he's not working with the same baseline level of arm strength that we've seen and grown accustomed to with him on the field. So that's another piece of this. But I think to me, it goes back to the same thing I just said is as a coaching staff, the people around him, Davis Webb is gone. Shay Tierney is gone. Uh, Brian Dable is gone. His entire like inner circle, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky is gone. I know Matt Barkley's back and Case Keenum has been great, but it's new. And it's, they're going through this adversity now in, in a new situation without like Brian Dable, who was at the top of that thing on the offensive side of the ball. And so they have to find a way to let him know it's okay. Take some of it off of his plate without changing who you are. Because here's the thing, here's the thing too, Ryan. And this is something I was thinking about as I was walking over to do the show. They can get their two-minute offense dialed up at any given moment of any given game. We saw it today. When they needed a drive with 30, 40 seconds, they can just dial it up and make plays and move the ball and set up and set up plays. But what you can't what you can't do is just abandon the running game completely. Yeah. That's what you have to go into next game and figure, okay, we're going up against Cleveland. They're not going to really do a lot offensively in the passing game against us. You have to stop the run. We can kind of let our run game out, let it get out, let it breathe a little bit. And then if we really need to kick it into high gear, maybe that's something that throws teams off is if you run, 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 and then just blitz them with your passing game, maybe that's a different approach. It is. And and they need to look at different approaches right now, because uh, as we mentioned, it's, 
I don't want to use the word stale, but the Bills are getting more and more predictable by the week. They have to start leaning on this run game. They have to start utilizing Singletary, uh, use that change of pace back in James Cook. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, Duke Johnson, he had one nice third down run in this game. I don't think that he's going to be elevated uh, that often this year. But if you're going to keep going heavy with your backs, get them all involved. Let them play to their strengths. But when you go away from it the way that they have over and over again, it, it takes something out of your arsenal. It makes it easier for other teams to defend against you. And if you're throwing the ball over the field, that leads to incomplete passes. That leads to the clock stopping. That leads to giving these other teams more opportunities to get back into the game. So utilize the run, get it going, because you're going to need that late in the year, come playoff time. And right now, I don't think anyone has much confidence in the run game because the Bills just don't seem to have that confidence themselves. One other thing, uh, I was over in the Viking locker room afterward, and although nobody said this directly, the Vikings are fully aware of the talk of how, well, they're 7-1, and one, but look at the resume, look who they played, look at all these backup quarterbacks for those seven games or against backup quarterbacks. And when I'm telling you, that was the loudest locker room. Oh, it was right. It was. Oh, wow. You know, the the music and everybody. I mean, just the excitement that they won the game in that fashion and really kind of proved it to themselves. So bottom line is like the the Bills didn't lose a bunch of chumps today. I mean, this this Viking team, say what you want, but if they get a home field game, uh, you know, which they will, you know, so you would figure they're going to be a final four team in the NFC uh, come playoff time. Um, yeah, who knows? There, they'll be two wins away from the Super Bowl, and they have one of the top receivers in the game, and they have a top running back. So, again, terrible loss today, but that is a talented team they lost to. I'm comfortable saying that they have the top receiver in the game, and I and I watch Stefan Diggs play every week, and I can't be more impressed with a guy in this league than I am with Stefan Diggs. But Justin Jefferson, dude, that dude is just getting started, and he's unstoppable. The Bills knew – Play after play, he was the guy that they had made to account for, and it didn't matter. He just kept making play after play. And listen, Cam Lewis has got to knock that ball down. But that is an all-pro, all-world play by a special receiver that, like, when you – and I know that he thought that it was going over his head and, and, and all the excuses in the world. That's just a play that usually really elite players make, and he found a way to make it. And, it, you know, it is what it is. Um Speaking of it, it is what it is. Uh, Tis the season to save on groceries and all of your holiday gifts. Christmas bonus is underway at Tops Friendly Markets, and you can shop at Tops and save $10 at all of your other favorite stores and restaurants. With over 25 gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list. And don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts like toys, games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's. Great family dining from Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings. I know that those are both Gino's favorites. That new big screen TV you want from Best Buy and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. For a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. Yeah. Um, can't wait. I do like those places. You take do? Big, uh, take advantage of that. You're a big Applebee's guy? Yeah. Why not, man? Uh, see, that's the type of thing that will get you kicked out of this uh, podcast, <laughs> all right? But no, I'm just kidding. Everybody loves a good Applebee's. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we want to go next, Ryan. Defensive line play. I, I feel like they turned it on when it mattered in, in these key situations late in the game, but they were also very inconsistent for stretches. So I wanted to hear your takes on uh, the defensive line play. Obviously, they let up the one long run to Cook in the second half, but for the most part, I feel like they had trouble getting home today against Kirk Cousins until late in that contest. There were There were multiple occasions where I felt like Kirk Cousins had a really – it might have been a muddy pocket, but just inability to land on him. And then you kind of look at the stats and I kind of wanted to give a shout out to, to Boogie Basham who makes a big play in the, in the fourth quarter with that sack. He finishes with a sack, two quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss. You look at AJ Epinesa, one sack, a tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit, two pass deflections uh, he had at the line of scrimmage. So uh, to me, if you take the entire body of work, I thought that there was some success that those young pass rushers found with Greg Rousseau out of the lineup. But to your point, Ryan Talbot, as a collective unit, especially up the middle where I felt like the real beatable area of this offensive line for the Vikings, you look at O'Neal, you look at Darisaw, those are really good guys on the edge. It was right up the gut. And there was a few plays where I thought they had some success. I thought Ed Oliver had some wins and listen, it's the same story with that Oliver week in and week out. The guy wins. The guy is around the ball. He's around the play. He makes some plays. But then you look at the end of the end of the game stat line for Ed Oliver, and it's it's head scratching. He had a half sack, four quarterback hits, and a tackle for a loss. So that's I mean, he was back there. He was I noticed him on several plays, a little bit different this year, but not quite the game record that I think that. Bills fans are waiting for him to be, at least not from a stat line perspective, most of the time. Yeah, I'd have to go back and, oh, I hate that. I'm, I'm doing like, I have to look at the film. I hate when they say that, but what exactly happened on the 81-yard run? And I'm wondering if not having Greg Rousseau, because I think what Rousseau offers you as, as a run defender is kind of hard to kind of, you know, quantify because when you're just looking at stats, tackles sometimes don't tell the story. Uh, but I thought Epineza was, you know, flashing a little bit there in the first half too, which that's certainly good to see because I think this is an important year for him in terms of his future uh, with the franchise. But funny thing is, like, overall, I was expecting more, like having read so much about, you know, the middle of this Vikings offensive line. This is where the push will be. And Cousins is not the most mobile of quarterbacks. And I don't know, um, you know, it, when we're going over the list of reasons why the Bills lost this game, you know, certainly you needed more from the line today, but it's not in the top five uh, for me. Right. And I think I think that's fair. Uh, they you know, they did make some big plays at the goal line stand fourth and inches. The quarterback stopped there. Some big sacks in overtime near the goal line where uh, it looked like the Bills might not get the ball. So they, they definitely made their fair share of plays. Obviously, 
you can you can point out some plays in the secondary, the the turnovers on offense, uh, some play calling issues. So you're right, probably not top five, but going into this game, I'm kind of in the same boat there, Gene, where I thought you'd see a little bit more from this uh, unit up front, and, and it just was very up and down all day. Am I allowed to take a question here? Yeah, take a question. All right, Brian, writing in. Anyone wishing Keenum started? No. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> this outcome wouldn't have been any different today. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think maybe like if if Keenum's in the game, maybe they they're just forced into running more just to kind of um you know deal with just having a lesser quarterback. But no, I, I think that when Josh Allen is available to play, when he passes all of the the health checks, and you're not concerned in the slightest that anything's going to go wrong with that elbow. You play your starting quarterback. You pay. You play your MVP candidate. And I thought at times he played like Josh Allen today. I don't think that he had the fastball. Like he wasn't out there with his Randy Johnson stuff. He had to throw a couple Jamie Moyer pitches. And sometimes you got to get the job done that way. But I still think that they did enough to win. If they don't just, you know, really, if you just want to also – we've talked so much about the identity in the show and, you know, taking their foot off the gas and cruising for a little while, but really if they cut their turnovers in half, they win this game, plain and simple. You just take away that fumble at the goal line and they probably run out the clock and the game is over. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Again, Ryan though, that's also an area where they just refuse to trust their run game. They they're so afraid to run the ball that they won't get any push up front up against their own goal line. They just won't do it. And this is a team that has feared for the past couple of seasons, the quarterback sneak. Remember, we were just imploring them to run a quarterback sneak. So it's like they have a lot of things to figure out. Yeah, I, I think that's the the perfect statement. They have a lot of things to figure out. And, you know, there needs to be that panic within the maybe a quiet panic within that uh, locker room, within those coaches meetings, because they need to right the ship here very quickly. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, no longer number one seed in the AFC, no, no longer even first or second place in the AFC East. Hey, there's still a lot of games left to be played, but the bills need that light bulb to go off. Like it kind of did last year in, in the Buccaneers game where it was, uh, they, they kind of hit the gas pedal in the second half. They fell short in that game. But from that point on, they, they were firing on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. So Buffalo needs that moment. They need it soon because you don't want to drop too much further down in, in the playoff standings. You want to make sure that you're in a good spot uh, late in the season where you feel comfortable with uh, where you might be traveling, who you might be playing. And these wins and losses over the next few weeks are going to loom large with some very winnable matchups on the horizon. But Buffalo needs to clean it up on both sides of the ball. Now, if anybody missed the play, I have a confession here. I did not see the play live where Allen fumbled. I like I'm getting my stuff ready. Okay, win. I'm going to go down to the locker room, and I'm like, wait, what? You know, <laughs> what did you guys see on that play? Because you know, having looked back at it now, is it one of those things, or was Josh Allen a little concerned, a little gun shy, pulling out there too soon? Soon, in other words, his confidence in his offensive line, Matt. So go check out the article that I posted right before the show and I put a video of the slow motion of that play in the story. Um, what happened on the botch snap? And basically it looked by all accounts, like a clean snap from Mitch Morse, like that, the, the transfer of the ball didn't seem like that was a major problem. Once the ball was in Josh Allen's hand, it was like a split second. And all of a sudden you see him kind of just bobble and it goes to the ground. Now, one of the thoughts that I had in that moment, Ryan is all right. 
was that, did that have anything to do with the elbow? Did that have anything to do with his ability to grip the football in that moment? Again, the Bills said that they were very diligent about making sure he passed all the tests. But I got to be honest with you, watching him run around, walk around, he was definitely holding that right arm a little bit differently throughout the game. I'm not going to sit here and say that he was unaffected completely by it. And then Mitch Morse gave him credit after the game saying that, you know, the guys know that he did it for the team, that he went out there and played with a quote, significant injury. So I don't know, putting all those things together in that moment, maybe, maybe that was it. But again, he did make a lot of plays that I don't think Case Keenum makes in that game. (laughs) No, uh, you're not going to see Case Keenum run for 80 some yards. You're not going to see him sling it for over 300, uh, 400 total yards of offense altogether. But for that final play, yeah, I thought the snap to Mitch Morse or from Mitch Morse was, was fine. Uh, I didn't think of the arm angle, Matt, but what I was wondering is the one thing the bills have been doing on every quarterback sneak as of late is the push from behind. Did he maybe not have it secure enough? And then he gets that push from behind. Maybe that freed it up a little bit. Uh, the push came in a little bit too soon, which I understand. Listen, you're, you're taking the ball over on the one-inch line. Uh, you're trying to get that out as quickly as possible. So whoever was responsible for pushing from behind to try to get him out, they're just doing their job. But I, I think little things like that can throw off the time and can throw off the grip of the ball when you're trying to move forward, especially when you're pressed that far back near the goal line. Yeah, and at that, that point of the game, you know, it snowed this morning. We just got done snowing here now, but I don't think that was a factor either, that the ball would have been wet or anything like that, mm-hmm. even though it was kind of a, a strange day. Another thing, too, that was kind of interesting, if you watch the drive going into overtime, Matt, whenever you were seeing officials say in a pool report, oh, we got it wrong, mm-hmm. Gabe Davis, yeah. that shouldn't have counted. They didn't even look at that. Yeah, in the moment, we were talking about it on press row over here, the fact that they didn't stop the game to challenge it. You're like, what's going on here? Because it definitely looked at the very least, like something they should probably just take a look at really quick. Um, but they didn't. And it was just part of the game. You know, it's, you know, missed calls or missed calls. You know, there was a couple uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks on both ends. They, they tend to kind of add themselves up. But before we go any further, we got to do a segment here, Ryan. Um, and I think it pairs perfectly with Money Jones's super chat. If you haven't been over to Value Home Centers this holiday season, uh, deck the halls and your front yard of your home with holiday decor from your favorite uh, value. You know, they're, they're all over the place in Western New York. Just get over there. Get yourself hooked up. And ev- after every game, even the bad ones, Gino, mm-hmm. we got to hand out our Value Home Center toolsy player of the game. And anybody – Want to have first dibs on Stefan Diggs, 12 catches on 17 targets. Money Jones asks him, is he off? Does he think that you should have more uh, targets in the game? Anybody want Diggs? Anybody? Go on once. Go on twice. Gene, you want him? If so, go ahead and take him now. Unless, Yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, no, that was uh, – look, and – I, for for Diggs today, though, looking at how he probably viewed this game that he was traded, and I, I thought he showed leadership and emotion throughout the whole week. So I like the job that he did today, and it's just unfortunate for him that uh, they came up on the short end. Ryan? Yeah, I'm going to stay in the wide receiver. I'm going to go with Gabe Davis. There's been a lot of criticism uh, on Davis, fair enough, too, to a certain extent because of the way he's performed over the past few weeks. Uh, but he put up a respectable stat line. I think, yeah, six for 93, one score. And, and when you look at the end of regulation, he also draws a flag for pass interference where if the Bills maybe had one or two more seconds on the clock, they probably get one shot at the end zone there, too, rather than having to take the game-tying field goal attempt with five seconds to go. 
Uh, he sold the catch along the sidelines that really wasn't a catch, but he came up big a lot for this team today and answered a lot of the questions about uh, do the Bills have a respectable number two? I thought that he had a really nice game. I think Benford for me was on his way. Uh, I think you can make an argument for Tremaine Edmonds just like in an MVP type of situation because of how, you know, things went off the rails when he was out of the game. But I'm going to go with Dawson Knox, a guy that's that's been really kind of, you know, knocked around the last couple of weeks, rightfully so. He struggled at times, but he comes in today, six targets, four catches, 57 yards. And they were big ones down the stretch. When the Bills needed to move the ball, they needed to be smart with the ball. He was there for Josh Allen as a really trustworthy outlet, made some plays, got out of bounds, made that one really contested, or uh, I think it was contested where he took a real good hit after the, the catch. He made one diving catch as well. So just, you know, in the true definition of the toolsy player of the game, I'll throw it out to Dawson Knox. Um, Isaiah McKenzie almost got um, demerits in this game. When he caught the ball on that on that last drive of regu- regulation, oh for a God. moment, it was almost like he reverted back uh, to the Miami game. Yeah, I think it was the Miami game where he didn't get out of bounds, and it really cost them. Um, it looked like he was going to try to move up field, but then he realized and he quickly was like, "Oh crap!" And he like yeah. made a beeline for the and, and got just out of bounds uh, in between some defenders. So uh, I thought Isaiah McKenzie, uh, five targets, four four catches, thirty seven yards. Uh, a run for 18 yards. I thought he was good today too, Ryan. Yeah. And you know, that goes back to what I was saying about Gabe Davis and that pass interference. If Isaiah McKenzie gets out of bounds faster on that play, maybe the bills do get one last shot in regulation uh, before the field goal attempt. So you're right. I think you had a lot of fans panicking. there, saying, what are you doing? And then the light bulb went off and said, I need to get out of bounds and do so fast. And to his credit, he did. Yeah. Five seconds. That's a great point. I don't second guess kicking the field goal. You run a no. play there. I mean, like, yeah, you're, you're really playing with fire. If you have one second of, uh, you know, margin for error, that's not, not something I have no problem with them kicking the field goal to send it to overtime. Um, all right. Let's, before we do get out of here, panic meter, Bob Miller's not panicked, but let's go around the horn here. If you will, we'll start with Ryan. We'll go Gino. And we'll go myself. One out of 10. Where's your panic meter? Given the state of the AFC right now, and let's actually bring this up because I I checked the standings right before we started, and you might have mentioned this uh, already in the show, Ryan. Uh, I might have been looking through something while you were talking. Right now, as we stand with the Chargers still to play, uh, are the Bengals off this week? Yes, Bengals are off. Uh, Yeah. I think they're off this week. So the Chargers still to play. Patriots are on the bye. Patriots are on the bye. So the Bills aren't going to move out of the top seven spots in the AFC this week, but they sit at six now. They're in third in the AFC East. They're 0-2 in the AFC East. Ryan Talbot, one out of 10. Where are you on the panic meter? I'm going to say maybe around a five or a six. I'm kind of right in the middle there. I I still think this team has enough talent on both sides of the ball uh, to make some noise in the playoffs to really make a run for the Super Bowl. Uh, But I look, first of all, in the AFC East, and Miami's not slowing down on the offensive side of the ball themselves. They're putting up a lot of points each week. The defense is a bit of an issue, but the way that they're playing, it's going to, you know, they're not going to. Uh, lose a lot of games unless something happens with one of those offensive skill players because of the way that they're moving and utilize the ball. And obviously you have the Chiefs who look like uh, they're they're playing very well. They got Tony involved today with, you know, obviously the, the overall conference is the bigger picture, but I think the Bills even have some tough competition within the division itself. I think the Jets are going to fall back to earth still. I don't believe in that team. Uh, but even winning the East, I think, becomes a little bit more difficult now. 
I'm going to put it at a four, a little less than you, because I look at the schedule coming up and what's a way to build confidence? Well, get some wins. And these are winnable games and get some winnable games because then all of a sudden you look at that schedule in December like, wow, okay, well, you're playing the division essentially. And who would have thought that that game in December against the Dolphins could be the one that actually decides the division here and much less the Jets. You're going to have to get that one the week before. So um, to me, things are still ahead, even though you're right now in third place, the AFC East would have thought that um, these are three losses by a combined. What was the score of the Dolphin game? Uh, six, eight points, two points, two points, eight yeah, points eight, total. Three, yeah. Three points three, three losses, eight points. It, this one, the way it happened today, we're going to be, like Bob Miller said, we're going to be talking about this one for years when we're talking about worst regular season losses of all time. But if you have faith in the coaching staff, and that's what this is going to come down to, can these coaches get this team, get their head on straight here for next week? I'm going to go a little bit less than both of you guys. I'm going to put it at three. Uh, and I'm going to believe the company line from Mr. Von Miller and his experience and just the talent on this roster and the fact that right now – you know, they're without Jordan Poyer. Uh, you figure that he, you're going to get him back at some point that that get before the the real gauntlet starts in the AFC East. You know, you get help, you get some guys back. You're going to get Tre'Davious White back here eventually. And then on the offensive side, I think that some of the important pieces prove that they can make plays in big spots against you know not a great defense, but a talented defense. And to be honest with you, they don't play a ton of great defenses down the stretch. I mean, the Miami. Put it on the Browns today. The Detroit Lions have been one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Patriots are still good. But, man, I'll tell you right now, it's funny because you talk about quarterbacks going and playing the Patriots and seeing ghosts, right? The Sam Darnolds of the world mm-hmm. and the Zach Wilsons of the world. I wonder what ghost Mac Jones is going to see when he faces this Bills defense after the two performances he had uh, last season against them. Uh, things are, are looking better in New England. But to Ryan's point on the Jets, I, I, I'm not believing – what they're cooking in, in, in New England. I know that defense is playing better, uh, but I still, I still think that there's a lot to like, and this is, you know, in this league year to year, Super Bowl champions of, of years past as, as recently as last year, they go through adversity in season and, and the bills are directly in a big chunk of adversity right now. And uh, you know, we'll see if they can get out of it. If you want to get out of some adversity, any weekend, weekday, weeknight, head over to Tops Friendly Markets. Um, they got you covered for game day, tailgating spreads, whatever you want. Visit the Carryout Cafe. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, $14. The Jumbo Chicken Wing 10 count, $14. Please tell me you've had the legendary breakfast pizza from Tops. Yeah, absolutely. All right, 20 yeah, bucks. Yeah. We'll get you a large. Can't beat it. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Shout out to danger. I know you've been watching this while you've been rolling your eyes all episode. Thank you to Gino for coming on. It was a great show. I've only begged and pleaded to to hop on. You knocked it out of the park. You knocked it out of the park. These are always the tougher shows to do for bills fans, but I thought you brought uh, a, a good energy to the conversation. As always, the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Talbot, back in Olean, New York. I didn't hear the uh, the horn, the siren, but, you know. No. Yeah, no no train tonight. All right. Like and subscribe before you go. We'll be back on Wednesday. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.